Today, we're going to start the meeting with a conversation with Darshana Zaveri, Managing Partner at Catalyst Health Ventures. Darshana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ramana. Nice to be here and appreciate you doing this in the midst of, uh, as you very rightly put it, this um, unprecedented situation. Uh, it's nice to be able to continue to do the things that we love to do. Yeah. So, Darshana, let's uh, get acquainted and get you acquainted with our community here. Tell us a little bit about yourself as well as uh, Catalyst. Sure. Um, so, my name is Darshana Zaveri. I'm a managing partner at Catalyst Health Ventures. Um, I have been at Catalyst since its inception um, in 2008. Um, and we're, we're two managing partners that, that manage the fund, um, which is Josh Phillips and myself. Um, and we have been investing together since 2008 um, in this particular strategy that I'm, I'm about to de describe. Uh, my own background is, is in science. I was a bench scientist um, for several years um, doing pure pharma and drug discovery research. Uh, before mm -hmm. I went back to Harvard to get my MPA and then um, came to Catalyst. Um, our, our firm invests in, in healthcare, so we are a purely healthcare-focused venture capital firm based right outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, we, are, we have about $150 million in assets under management across two funds, um, and we are now investing um, out of our new fund. Um, and within the broad space of healthcare, we specifically focus on medical technologies. Um, so we actually do not invest in biotech or pharma or pure drug discovery or anything that we consider um, sort of pure science risk. Um, mm -hmm. Instead, we focus on medical technologies um, like medical devices, some diagnostics and digital health. Okay. And um, could you double-click down a little bit on some of the specifics of stage, for example? Let's start with stage. What, uh, what stage do you like to invest in? So we consider ourselves pretty early-stage investors. Um, you know, we will do anything from CDs A, um, even CDs seed at times. Uh, but certainly mm -hmm. Series A and, and occasionally Series B, um, so we have some flexibility around that. Um, we like to typically we like to be the first institutional investor in a company, um, so we you know we bring the first institutional dollars into the company. Often um, with our money, uh, the company formation occurs, um, so we're not we're not afraid to go really early. Uh, okay. But I would say typically, typically we are Series A, where there is a product concept um, and some proof of concept that has been done in in animals or or pre or some preclinical work. Um, so pretty early. So let me let me ask you a few de uh, slightly detailed questions, just because you know early is where we play. So uh, early has lots of nuances in our world because we are, you know, deep into early and early can be pre-product, <laughs> early can be 
with a, a product concept and customer validation or channel validation, but not yet, especially medical devices, you know, there are, take some resources to get a product to market. So it's not so easy to, you know, bootstrap your way to product and, and you know, selling products and all that. Then digital health is a little bit different. Um, so, so where, you know, what do you want to see? Do you want to see a product ready? Do you want to see a product concept with some concept validation from the target customer base? What's, what is the, what is the validation that you yeah. want to see to go into a deal? Yeah, yeah so great questions. And, and let me just step back to say, if you look across our portfolio, the majority of our deals are medical devices. So okay. very, um, you know, hardware-focused mechanical solutions for healthcare uh, needs. Um, yeah. We do do some digital health, but it is very, very small part of our portfolio, okay. maybe one deal out of, out of the entire fund. Um, so that's yeah. not the core of our expertise, and the core of our expertise is really medical devices and, and diagnostics. Okay. Um, so as you correctly pointed out, you know, in, in those kinds of companies, um, you cannot really bootstrap your way um, to, to the market. You know, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, early development, um, product development, uh, you know, uh, as well as clinical development and preclinical development that is required before you even get to market. And I, I have to say, when you kind of look at the, the types of companies that we are attracted to, uh, most of our companies will actually never get to market um, as independent companies. So most of them mm -hmm. uh, will be bought out. Uh, you know, these companies yeah. are addressing major unmet needs in healthcare um, that are long regulatory path and approve, path to approval, um, and the majority of them will be acquired before they ever get to final regulatory approval and market. Um, so yeah. where we like, you know, what, what we like to see um, before we invest is a strong product concept. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes that product concept is just something on paper. Um, so I will give you an example. We invested in a company out of our last fund um, that was nothing but a drawing uh, on paper. Okay. And there was, there was not even a product to look at um, and certainly no preclinical data. Um, and in, so we're not afraid to get into deals like that. Um, however, what we will then do is make sure that we are appropriately capitalizing the companies uh, mm -hmm. And keeping them really lean until um, that you know critical clinical value has been demonstrated. Um, in yeah. in the case of the company that I just described, we did a a, a total round of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and and that two fifty k got us to a product um, you know concept mm -hmm. that we could you know yeah. see. Um, and also clinical demonstrations of, of that product. Uh, and then we right. did a Series A uh, and followed with a Series B. Uh, but we just want to make sure that if we get in that early, that, that we're not putting up too much money at risk um, yeah. at those early stages where there's a high risk of failure. Excellent. So what about geography? You're based in the Boston area. Where, where do you like to invest? Um, so we're pretty broad across the U.S. I mean, you know, we're a very small team ourselves. Um, as I said, we're mm -hmm. two, two managing partners and, and a few folks in the back office. Um, 
So we tend to be New England focused just because of our location and where we tend to operate and where our connections are. But we do have portfolio companies across the U.S. We have one in Minneapolis, in Silicon Valley, um, in Utah. Uh, We're about to do a deal in Orange County. So, you know, we are pretty broad uh, within the U.S. We do not invest outside the U.S. Um, That's not part of our mandate. Great. Let's talk a bit about um, some of the companies you've invested in and, uh, you know, what they do and when did they come to you? What did you see in those situations that caught your attention sufficiently to want to write a check? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so, you know, let me just start by saying, you know, very at a very high level, we are looking for technologies within healthcare that are addressing very large unmet needs. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking cardiology, oncology, women's health, you know, big, big global uh, issues that are unaddressed. And specifically those types of diseases uh, that cannot be addressed uh, with drugs or cannot effectively be addressed with drugs. And, you know, the very, very simplistic example I like to give is, um, uh, if you have a hole in the heart, you know, you have a hole in the heart, uh, you got to fix it. It's, it's a high value patient and a problem. Um, and yet it's a mechanical problem, right? Um, so it needs a mechanical solution, can't fix it with a drug. Um, so we're really looking for those types of technologies that will um, really change the therapeutic outcome for patients uh, in a big way, in a major way. So that's the, the core of our thesis. Um, Within that, uh, we particularly like the cardiac space uh, and the structural Mm -hmm. heart space. We like the oncology space. You know, again, these are diseases with a great um, disease burden and burden on the healthcare system, and that are also strategically aligned with uh, with acquirers' interests. So that's those are the areas that we are specifically looking at, um, where we see a lot of unmet need. so some of the companies, you know, I will give you, I'll continue perhaps with um, the example that I started with, um, the company that we invested out of our last fund, the name of the company is Envision Medical, um, out of Silicon Valley. Um, so this is a device to diagnose um, ovarian cancer early in women who are at high risk um, of acquiring the disease. Um, so why do we like this? First off, ovarian cancer is a big unmet need. Um, you know, 80% of women with ovarian cancer are destined to die. Um, and the problem really is in the early diagnosis. Um, it's, it's, if you can diagnose the disease, uh, you can treat it effectively. Uh, but the problem yeah. is you can't diagnose it. And, and if you think about why you can't diagnose it, it's, it's a mechanical problem. The ovaries are in a part of the body that is, that are, that is hard to access. Um, there are no diagnostic tests available. There's no blood tests available necessarily that are accurate. Um, and so in order to address uh, this mechanical problem of accessing the ovaries, um, this, this entrepreneur, a very brilliant entrepreneur out of Silicon Valley, had the idea of creating a device. So almost like a pap smear-like device mm-hmm. that goes mm-hmm. deeper into the anatomy and collects cells uh, from the fallopian tubes and the base of the ovaries. And um, once you get the cell sample, 
the actual test, the diagnostic test, is exactly like a pap smear. So you're not reinventing the wheel on the testing side. You're mm -hmm. simply improving access to the organ. Um, so, uh, you know, how it aligned with our strategy is big unmet need, um, you know, huge patient population, large number of women walking around with the risk of having the disease and no way of being uh, screened or, or, or diagnosed early. Um, and an easy mechanical solution. I won't say easy, but a simple concept, uh, which is mechanical in nature. Um, and uh, there was no sort of, go ahead. I have a question on this one. Let's uh, just kind of stay with this example for a moment. What mm -hmm. is the go-to-market strategy for this company? And, uh, you know, what is your fund strategy or investment thesis around go-to-market strategy. You mentioned something earlier on that you don't, these companies not, don't necessarily go to market on the, their own. You are looking for early exits. So could you please just reflect on that yeah. uh, issue a bit? Yes. Yeah, so this company, as it turns out, did exit. Um, it, it was bought out in 2018 by Boston Scientific. Um, so we, we actually followed the company we did the seed round. We led the Series A. Uh, we had a new investor come in and lead the Series B. Um, and then eventually, um, in, in the fifth year, the company was, was acquired by Boston Scientific. It was a really nice deal and a, and a very nice return for us. Um, but, of course, when we make the initial investment, uh, you know, we're not, we're not banking on that exit. Uh, we really do hope it's going to happen, but, you know, we're not banking on it. So we do have to think through the eventual commercialization strategy, if you will. Um, and so in this case, uh, what we liked about it is that, you know, there is a large number of women out there, about 600,000 in the U.S., uh, who know that they have a high risk of developing ovarian cancer. The reason they know that is because um, they have uh, some family member who had the disease um, or they are positive for the BRCA gene. Um, so, you know, either they have a genetic mutation or a family-related um, reason why they know they're at high risk. Um, so these yeah. are women who want to be surveilled, uh, and they are presenting themselves at the OBGYN's office. And so we do have sort of a clinical community that sees these patients and doesn't actually know what to do with them, right? You know, what kind of testing can we do to give them some assurance? A lot of these women are young women who still want to have children uh, and don't want to have their ovaries removed um, as a, um, you know, risk-reducing kind of procedure. Um, so they're coming to the office. They're presenting themselves. So you have the clinical community that wants a solution, and you have a patient population that wants a solution. So we saw that there would be a pull from the market for this device. Um, of course, we would have to go through a fairly large clinical trial to, yeah. uh, you know, to be able to claim that this device can now diagnose ovarian cancer. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty yeah. large trial. Um, and so, you know, we had to kind of estimate what that would take. And if we had to take the company through that trial, you know, how much money would, would be expected to, to spend on it. Um, and yeah. then the final piece of this is reimbursement. You know, how do you get paid for this device? And it turns out um, that there are, you know, we did some analysis on this and actually hired reimbursement consultants and found that um, there is indeed a reimbursement code that can be applied um, to this particular procedure. So all okay. of those elements put together um, gave us confidence that, 
you know, if we had to take the company through commercialization, that we would actually be able to do it um, and would have a good chance. And how far, how far did the company get before it got acquired? Did it go through the clinical uh, trials? So um, so typically, if you think about medical devices um, like this that are typically multiple clinical trials, you know, there's usually yeah. an, a very yeah. early kind of proof of concept trial just to yeah. show safety that the device works. Um, and then you have uh, what I typically call a clinical proof of concept. So in this case, what we wanted to demonstrate is, you know, take a certain number of women and, um, you know, use the device and you know pre, you know, you know, um, who has cancer and who doesn't have cancer or who has a high likelihood of having cancer. Um, so it, the company had cl completed that small clinical proof of concept trial with 50 women mm -hmm. um, that was that with exceptionally good results. Uh, and that would have informed, um, you know, the size and scope of that final pivotal trial that would get the company regulatory approval. Now that trial is not being done by this company anymore, um, but that's kind of the path to final approval and market launch. Okay, very good, interesting. So um, what do you see is going to happen uh, given that you are, you know, you're in a sector that is very relevant to what we're going through right now and, and there is a furious effort to come up with all kinds of you know, testing devices, medical devices for testing the coronavirus and testing for antibodies of who has already got it and has become immunized and testing for, you know, have you already had it and have been in asymptotic and all kinds of things, asymptomatic. Um, and, you know, all, all these are medical device problems, right? Then there is, of course, the vaccine side side that, that is not relevant to your investment thesis, but there is a big medical device issue that is developing. What, how, do you, how do you process what's happening? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and, you know, we have certainly been thinking a lot internally about, you know, does this or does this not change, um, you know, the way we do things and the things that we focus on. Um, so, you know, clearly we're not going to completely change our investment thesis because of this particular black swan event, um, you know, right. so we won't suddenly start investing in vaccines um, or drugs or even drugs. Uh, however, you know, there's a lot of elements to this pandemic that um, are relevant to us in any case, given our investment thesis. So as an example, you know, we will certainly be paying a lot more attention to healthcare services, um, you know, broadly, including telemedicine, which I think will become mm -hmm. more and more rampant and more used as time goes by, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think we will certainly be paying more attention to that space and the digital health space in general. Um, we, we've, we've always been, um, you know, focused on diag uh, diagnostic devices, and, mm -hmm. you know, we think in particular, and this, this pandemic has proven out that the American, um, you know, healthcare system is, is not really set up for early detection uh, and right. prevention. It is, it is highly geared towards treatment. And, you know, that is, that is a structural problem uh, that mm -hmm. needs to be fixed. And we certainly hope that, you know, as a result of this, 
this pandemic and, and the associated economic costs that people will, you know, all, all constituents of this system, including the regulatory agencies and the acquirers, uh, will start paying more attention to diagnostic devices and prevention uh, versus care, right? Um, so yeah. so that's, that's always been part of our thesis and it will continue to be part of our thesis going forward. Well, and also to your point about go-to-market strategy, uh, my, I don't know how this is all going to come together, but I expect that after we are, we have dealt with this, you know, as you called it, the Black Swan Squan event, we are going to look at the federal governments and the state governments putting in a lot more infrastructure to deal with similar mm -hmm. issues that can come up and, uh, and put a diagnostic, early diagnostic infrastructure in place that is, you know, more home-based and not so much, you know, overwhelming the healthcare system, the ICUs, and so forth. So early diagnostic, I think it needs to be part of the planning for epidemics going forward, pandemics and epidemics going forward. I, I imagine, I hope, that the federal government and the state governments and the international bodies are going to uh, put that infrastructure together, so that is going to create a lot of opportunities for people operating in that part of the ecosystem to have successful companies. Absolutely, and you know, it's it's not just when you think about early detection and and prevention, you're not just talking about the specific tests that are relevant to that you know, particular virus or, or bacteria, it's That's also right. the instrumentation and the tools that go with it, yes. right? It, yes. It's both exactly. aspects of it. And, and it well, is... Not just, uh, it's it's not just instrumentation, instrumentation yeah. and tools, it's instrumentation, tools, and the distribution infrastructure. You have to get these exactly. tools and systems exactly. in the hands of the people in the last mile so that these things can happen far away from the hospital. <laughs> Exactly. Now you're you're exactly right, and we will certainly be keeping an eye out on, you know, those types of technologies that facilitate that infrastructure. Um, and but, but the last thing I wanted to mention is, you know, if you think about COVID and its impact on on the population, it, you know, we're we're still waiting for you know all of the the data on this to fall out eventually. But it's clear that you know people with comorbidities are impacted uh, much much more than people who don't have comorbidities right so it, you know people with underlying respiratory conditions or yeah. diabetes or cardiac issues or oncology yeah. so ultimately you know this is part of the overall health management of the population right so and, and our focus on on kind of the technologies that address those underlying conditions is is kind of just as important as um, you know. Oh, no, I, I think the, the regular system. management of all those uh, diseases is going to remain uh, investment opportunities. I think biotech is one of the most exciting fields, um, and, and so I think your core investment thesis remains. It's more right. like. You know, there is something new that is that needs to be dealt with that we we're discovering we're woefully underprepared for. The systems doesn't don't exist. The tools don't exist. The tests don't exist. The instrumentation doesn't exist. It's really terrible. Right, right, right. No, you're exactly right. And so a lot a lot of you know investment needs to occur in the infrastructure um, space to to kind of deal with this um, 
if and when. It's really not a not a question of if, it's it's a question of when it happens when again. And how and yeah, absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful conversation, Darshana. Um there is a company in our portfolio that comes to my mind right away that I will uh uh, send you after we are done with this call, and uh, we'll see mm-hmm. if that's something um, you know interests you. And it's the same we would love to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Very good.